0: on this episode of the break in the game show i'm joined by my good friend Jurgen coney who's going to fill in for austin as my co-host today and we are going to be joined by kenneth cotterell of the shooter shoot basketball podcast we're going to get a little bit deeper into how kenneth got started into podcasting we're going to talk about the buyout market KD's comments jj reddick's comments andre german's injury And Roy Williams retiring from college basketball. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Break in the Game podcast. Y'all know me. I'm Steven Gillespie. But joining me now is Jurgen and Kony filling in for Austin Carr today. Jerg, what's up, man?
1: Nothing much, Steven. Nothing much. I'm greatly excited to be on today. You, you were telling me, as always, whenever I come on, like you tell me what's going on. Give me a little preview. I, I'm excited every single time. And once again, I'm excited again. I've had a very eventful weekend. Which is kind of apropos because i'm about to have an eventful month and i'm excited to to end off my weekend joining you
0: yeah and at the end of the show i'd love for you to plug out you know the new fun and exciting stuff that you have going on and i would also like to tell everyone happy easter i hope that you guys all enjoyed your easter Uh, i myself had a really good time with the family and everything jerga i trust that your weekend was was pretty fun as well
1: yeah yeah absolutely got got to do a little bit of commentary uh, my college that I graduated from that I'm an alumni and I had a had a pretty chill Sunday. Watched that. I watched a Marvel movie today. So that was that was plenty of fun. <laughs> oh,
0: that's what's up with Marvel movie.
1: Uh, So like I'm very new to watching the movie. So I'm going back at like the ones that I've seen a lot of like funny clips of. And today I watched Civil War and that, that was a banger. <laughs> that was, yeah, Civil
0: War is pretty dope. I enjoy that one as well. All right, so before we get into our, our show today, we do have a very special guest, Kenneth uh, Cotterill, who is a part of the Shoot or Shoot basketball podcast. Before we bring him on, I want to remind everybody that support for this show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, you're looking and talking to two of them right now. And we have an exclusive offer for our listeners today. Jerk, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code BTG at Manscaped.com. Jerk, what do you think about that deal, man?
1: I mean, it sounds absolutely awesome. You're telling me that you are getting the perfectly engineered tools, precision, no nicks, no cuts. I Myself, I've never had a cut when I've used, used Manscaped. It is precision. It is perfect. It is what you need to treat yourself properly any day of the
0: year that's 100 percent right you were talking to me about how you were watching you know marvel movies just to quote um our friend thanos from the avengers is perfect that mower 3.0 is perfectly balanced as all things should be yes. all right so without further ado we're going to bring on our friend kenneth Goddard of the shooter shoot basketball podcast kenneth what's going on my man
2: Oh, not too much. We've got a little bit of a quarantine situation up here in Regina, so I've been in my house for the last number of days. So uh, it's good to finally interact with human beings, even if it is over uh, a live video. So thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, man, it's our pleasure, Jurgen. We were talking before the show. We're so excited to have Kenneth on. He does a lot of great work. Um, Another
2: basketball mind.
0: And you said that you're
2: from where, Kenneth? Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. I Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of... uh, one of the prairies, golden cities, that's for sure. So yeah.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I've never been up there myself, Jurg. Have you have you been up towards Canada? I, I
1: have not, but about I think it's about two weeks ago at this point. Myself and the president of Off the Ball Network, Chris LeBron, we did a interview with uh, Rod Peterson, former play-by-play commentator for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and it was an awesome show to do. So I'm very glad. I love talking I love talking to Canadians, man. It's just it's awesome. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I'm sure that Canadians love talking to a Southern gentleman like (laughs) myself. So, I mean, it's just it's a a win-win all the way. (laughs) There you go. All right. So, Kenneth, before we get going into some of the big news that's been coming out of the NBA, I want to just let I want you to just kind of let everyone know what kind of got you into podcasting yourself and kind of what you're up to.
2: Yeah, for sure. So uh, roughly two years ago, uh some buddies of mine here in Regina actually they started their own baseball podcast the three batter minimum uh they were really into it and I listened every week and I'm like I'd been giving it thought for many years like why am I not doing something in regards to sports I've been a huge basketball guy my entire life and so uh a buddy of mine came to me asking the same thing and then we just kind of decided from there that we wanted to start our own podcast and so uh end of June of 2019 uh, we started the Shooter Shoot Basketball podcast. Um, I've had three different co-hosts. I've had countless guests. I've now got a producer for the show and everything. And um, ultimately, the, the biggest reward of podcasting has definitely been the relationships that you build because uh, given that I am in Regina, Saskatchewan, there's not a lot of that happening here. Um, we have our own Saskatchewan podcast network. But as far as finding other people who are interested in basketball and and coming on shows and everything. I mean, it's it's tough to find here. And so uh, it's been so rewarding being able to meet uh, so many people along the way, yourselves included, um, getting to meet up with my childhood idol and JJ Reddick to do an episode. I mean, just that alone is worth all the, all the hours put in and everything. And so uh, that's how I got started in podcasting. I've loved it ever since and don't see myself slowing down.
0: Yeah. And I would encourage you to not do that. You do a mm-hmm. lot of great work and you've given me the great honor to come on your show. And you know, w- when that happened, I was looking for the opportunity to do the same thing for you. So thank you so much for the opportunity to go on the, a podcast that is hosted JJ Reddick. I'm truly honored, Kenneth. That means a lot to me, man. For sure. All right. So Jer, uh any questions for our guy Kenneth here about the shooter shoot podcast on your end?
1: Well, kind of one of the, one of the background things because I, I definitely one of the things he said there that I think is very relatable for anyone in podcasting is you know before making before you actually start the podcast the the thought that goes into it it's like oh, what if it doesn't do so well what I, I for myself in my college years there was a lot of like kind of like fear and things like that what was that I know you said your uh friend brought it up to you and that was one of the things like what was like that that final thought process before you eventually got podcasting going is it just like okay let's just see where this goes like what what was the
2: the mental break there i think for me it was just finally putting the foot down of like why am i sitting around listening to other people talk about sports and i would get frustrated myself listening to people on espn that are just there for the hot takes and i'm like where are the shows for like the real analysis of of fans that watch the game, and you know while they may have a little bit of bias, you know they don't let it get in the way. And so I think it was just putting my foot down and finally deciding that it was something that I wanted to pursue. Um, I had I talked to the guys at Three Batter Minimum to ask them all about where they got mics, where they where they hosted, how they did it and everything. And, you know, you go back and listen to episode one and you're like, wow, what a, what a long way I've come from. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people can relate to that. If, if you're ever, yes, sir. <laughs> if you're a podcaster, go back and listen to those first couple episodes and then listen to some of your more recent ones. And I'm sure you'll notice how much more comfortable you are. I mean, episode one, I had like 10 pages of notes. I was I was just like all ready to go. Like, oh, no, I messed up that stat. And it's like, you know, none of that matters. It's it's ultimately about people getting to know you and getting to know uh, your overall content and what you what you like to talk about. And so that's what it was for me.
0: That's awesome, man. And yeah, I can totally relate to that. I listened to my first episode. I think it was like two or three months ago. I was like, oh, my goodness. And one of the things that you didn't touch on that I'm sure that you're going to, as soon as I mention it, you're going to be like, oh, man, me too was the editing portion, right? Like you wanted to get rid of the ums and the breaks and the, you know, conversations of people talking like how I just had like a little half second pause there. I would go on, you know, my editing site and, and try to get all of that out and try to make it as I guess, concise and precise as possible. And I don't do any of that now, you know, unless it's like a Uber major mess up. I won't even edit any of that stuff out. The, the now.
2: only thing I will actually edit is if connections cut out or things like that. I mm-hmm. mean, I've had that before where a guest cuts out for an entire portion of them talking about something. And so that's where the real work comes into it. But I mean the ums, the ahs. I mean, that's how I talk in everyday life. And that's why personally I don't edit any of that stuff out because I feel like it's not authentically me. I mean, I don't get paid for a living to to go on ESPN and do this. And so Uh, ultimately it's a passion of mine. I love doing it. And if, if someone's really going to comment and say, wow, you really say, um, or ah a lot, then it's like, (laughs) well, then you've missed the entire point of my show and you can go and find another podcast.
0: I had someone comment while I was actually live and say, you know, you say the word, you know a lot, right? And like it really frustrated me. And I'm sure me. that
2: helped you the rest of the show to, to not really say that word, right? really <laughs>
0: frustrated me. I'm not going to lie. And I make a cautious effort to not say, you know so much anymore. So, I mean, you know, we got to <laughs> kind of move on from that now. Ha ha. I'm a dad. I love telling dad jokes. Sometimes he laughs. But, uh, Kenneth, so m- I-, I really appreciate your authenticity here. And, uh, just how upfront you were and telling me that man. And, you know, I love the shooter shoot basketball podcast. It was such a blast being on and you, and you do a really, really great job with your platform, brother.
2: I really do appreciate that. Um, for me, it's ultimately what my peers think of it more than anything else. You know, I've I've got those DMs from people. How, how dare you, Canadian, talk about basketball? You know, That's I've, no got trash. Those, I've, I've got <laughs> those DMs before. Didn't even give it a second thought. Just threw it in the old delete. And then, of course, a couple hours later, I'm getting messages like, love the show. And those are the ones that ultimately mattered. So uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Oh man, we're thrilled to have you. And so with that being said, I want to roll into some of the news that's been, you know, trickling out of the NBA over the past week or so, and which by the way, doesn't it seem like the the news out of the NBA has been kind of slow recently after coming out of the All-Star break? Like, do you feel that way at all?
2: Yeah, it has been pretty slow. I mean, outside of that trade deadline, which was pretty hectic for about, you know, six hours there, it <laughs> felt like. Um, outside of that, I think a lot of injuries to star players has has kind of affected that. Um, when you don't have players like LeBron, Embiid, guys like that out there, I think, you know, th- things can slow down for sure, because uh, people aren't focusing on on the stars as much, and so they're like, "Oh, my guy's not playing." Well, then I'm not gonna I'm not mm-hmm. gonna watch. And and it's a shame when people do that. I mean, I've I'm a Lakers fan. I'm wearing the hat, and you know we got two All NBA players that haven't been playing, but I still tuned in to watch us <laughs> get beat down by the Clippers this afternoon. So, and we talked
0: offline that you know Kyle Kuzma put up a thirty piece over the Kings and got y'all win. So, you know, kind of roll with the punches a little bit there. But Jerk, I'm sure that you've paid attention to this too, man. The buyout market has received a lot of criticism lately. And I've kind of, not kind of, I have been saying that it stuff like this really doesn't come up unless someone is standing in, Kenneth, cover your ears real quick, opposite of LeBron James's goatness and his quest to be the best basketball player of all time. I feel like that's when stories like this come out. I mean, the Nets, they added a, an aging LaMarcus Aldridge and a look like, Washed Blake Griffin, so to speak, according to how he used to be, and all of a sudden DeAndre Jordan has returned to being an an All NBA center again. You know, once they traded away the guy that he was playing behind. So, uh, with the buyout market, though, the Nets obviously added a lot of depth to their front court, which was actually a position in need. It's not like they had a you know an embarrassment of riches there. Uh, what do you kind of think of the way that the buyout market has been, uh, what it's evolved to? And do you possibly see any rules or anything coming out to kind of legislate this at all?
1: So it's very interesting because I was actually on my own podcast that I do separate from Off the Ball Network. Like we actually, this was brought up for a bit, and, and with the buyout market, like my thing is, is that like to an extent, what you said, like I, I don't think it really gets brought up as an issue until the rich get richer in it. Like when a team, like let's say in free agency, when a team signs a veteran sharpshooter. Uh, to help to bring more shooting if it's a that mid-level team it's viewed as a good move
0: mm-hmm. for
1: a for a championship contender like i'm a heat fan so like we made those moves during the big three era we were criticized for that it's like <laughs> why, why you guys got the big three what else do you need like so it's a very like you know it, if one team benefits from it you know you're fine but then a certain class of team so i definitely understand why people want to have an issue with it like my thing is until it is a widely complained about issue i just don't know if the board of governors and the nba players association are going to make too much of a big deal of that because i think i I especially don't think the players association because you think of a guy like a blake griffin like think about it, he didn't sign with detroit he was traded to detroit he had Mm -hmm. no reason to even give them any money back when it came to the buyout but he did that just because he wanted to leave i think Lamarcus aldridge i know technically he signed with san antonio but eventually even in that first year there were talks of like should san antonio get rid of him so at the end of the day like I think take I don't I don't think you could take away the buyouts per se, but if you want to try to do something where there's maybe a little bit more of a penalty to make teams not want to do that because let's be honest at the end of the day the owners love money right mm-hmm. so if you can make it more of a financial burden on teams to buy out guys maybe on certain kinds of contracts like if if you signed a player to one of those rose rule contracts or you got a guy on that on one of the rose rule contracts and you can't trade him. Make it more of a financial burden if you have to buy him out. Like Detroit has been just stop paying Josh Smith, like something like that <laughs> to maybe make teams not want to do that. But aside from that, like, I just don't know if it's going to be brought up as an issue. I mean, if it is like, you know, if it is, it is. But I just, I don't see it being brought to, to, to the league.
0: Okay. Now, Kenneth, I had you cover yours. I'm sure that you heard what I said anyway, <laughs> but, um, you as a Laker fan, right? And I know that you're a, you're an honest analyst. You know, you're you're not going to be blinded by purple and gold. You're going to look through – you're not going to look through even rose-colored lenses. You know, you're going to look through it, you know, a, as unbiasedly as you possibly can. When you saw the Brooklyn Nets add these moves, did you look at it as a Laker fan saying, ah, now look, they're just trying to stop LeBron James? You know, I'm sure you didn't, but I would just love to kind of get your take on how you viewed the Nets acquiring these players and do you see it as an issue?
2: Um, I, I don't really see it as a major issue. I mean, big market teams are definitely going to benefit from this. Um, unless you were LeBron in Cleveland. I mean, he himself is just an attraction when it came to the buyout market. Um, but typically when it comes to like the buyout market, a lot of big names change hands. But like the production doesn't really go along with it. I mean, I remember when everyone made a fuss over Darren Williams going to Cleveland well darren williams (laughs) i mean he was a shell of himself when he went there um this year felt a little bit different when it came to blake and drummond i think because it felt like they still had quite a bit to give they just might have been in the wrong situations i mean drummond like this year has had countless 20 and 20 games Mm -hmm. like this guy is not washed he's barely 30 i think um blake griffin on the other hand i mean If you look at Detroit's offseason, they brought in a whole bunch of bigs and basically replaced him. So what's he supposed to think? Like, well, you guys traded for me and then you went and added other players anyways. And these teams decide to buy out these players. I think if they were smart, they would have tried to keep their cards a little bit closer to their chest. Maybe try and actually trade these guys instead of buying them out and getting nothing for it. Um, I just look at uh, the buyout market overall. I think. Brooklyn definitely is going to benefit from a guy like Aldridge. He has the playoff experience. Um he's not going to be scoring like 30 points in a playoff game or anything crazy. Could he give you 15 on a night where you really need it? Possibly. The Blake could do the exact same thing and Drummond could do the same for the Lakers. So I think the only way to really, you know, implement something for buyouts would B, you would have to put the cards on the table of, okay, if a small market team, let's say hypothetically New Orleans, offered Andre Drummond $10 million to, cu- to come and play for them, then that has to be disclosed and the Lakers would have to match that. Because it seems like guys are taking pay cuts in order to go a lot of these places, and I'm not a fan of the pay cut thing. Like, it's mm-hmm. just something that's never really sat well with me. Um, I'm all for players making their money. Um, but that's the only thing that I could really see as far as buyouts go. I don't know how else you really control the buyout market. So one theory I have is if you view the buyout theory as a problem,
0: I particularly don't. But if you do make it to where you can't buy them out in the regular season, you know, wait until the off season to where you have to buy out a player, you know, because then it's actually I understand that you're probably losing, quote unquote, value if you do that, because the way that the salary works, right, it could be all guaranteed but they get it incrementally, that that being the players throughout the entire year. So if you buy out the player midway through the season, another team has to guarantee, you know, his contract, right? Throughout the rest of the year. You're not paying both of them. So I understand that teams would probably lose a little bit of money. But my thing is too, is if you're like, well, why how come the big market teams are the ones getting these players? So it's because the small market teams paid them these ridiculous contracts to play at, the, at that location, they make and they mistakes. no longer want them there, right? I mean, Cleveland with Andre Drummond, they signed him, or they didn't sign, but they traded for him from the Detroit Pistons who signed him to a ridiculous contract. They got him, and then they traded for his eventual replacement in Jared Allen. So once you do that, you have your you know center of the future in Allen, and if you play Drummond, you're just hampering his minutes, and that doesn't work with your timeline the way it is right now. So it doesn't make sense to, for them just to keep drumming and slow down Allen's development or keep drumming and let him sit on the bench for the rest of the season. You know, he wants to go play somewhere else. So there's another side of the coin that people aren't talking about. It's like, Oh, well, all these big market teams, they just benefit from this. Well, the small market teams are the ones signing them and then cutting them. You, you know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of the, the other side of it that doesn't really get talked about a lot, but I do appreciate y'all's comments and, uh, views on the buyout market. And I'm glad I'm not alone and not looking at it as an issue because it's just like anything else. It's like free agency. It's just like a draft, you know, it's kind of the luck of the draw essentially. So, all right, Kenneth, we got a guy by the name of Kevin Durant. You probably've heard of him since you're a basketball podcaster. Uh, He got into a spat with the kind of an actor, comedian, sports fan, and Michael Rappaport on social media privately uh, he used insensitive language that Rappaport eventually did share publicly. Uh, Durant was fined fifty thousand dollars for said language. I'm kind of curious to get your viewpoint on this, and I'm not trying to turn this into a, you know, a, a, a race-related show. I just think that it's interesting that around three weeks ago, Myers Leonard made anti-Semitic language. So then you get into a weird discussion of which is worse, you know, homophobic or anti-Semitic. It's a really weird, you know, rabbit hole to fall down on. But he did this on Twitch and was also fined $50,000. But he was also suspended, jerk, by your Miami Heat. He was then su- uh, subsequently traded to Oklahoma City and waived and is likely never to play again. So, Kenneth, I'm kind of curious on your thoughts of the exchange. Do you have an issue with Rappaport making them public? Is Did he violate some sort of unwritten code here? Like, How do you view this?
2: So, I want to start by saying the NBA should have fined Kevin Durant they did a good job in actually finding him for it. Um, he shouldn't be speaking to anyone that way, regardless of, I mean, for anyone that follows Michael Rappaport, I mean, if they're bringing you on first take and skipping Shannon all the time, probably not bringing you on because you're a great analyst. They're bringing you on because you get clicks. And so you should be more aware of who it is as well. If you're Kevin Durant, um, Rappaport shouldn't have made those messages public, I will say that. Um, I think that's something that could have been handled internally um, between the two of them. Um, Rappaport, I don't like playing the victim because, I mean, he continually goes after NBA players if you've ever seen him on those shows. I mean, he, he blatantly disrespects LeBron and Kevin Durant constantly whenever he goes on those shows. He seems to get a pass every time he does it. I'm not someone who likes to give someone a pass when you constantly give people bad nicknames and, and try and make them out to be these villains and everything. I mean, they're people too, and I don't think that it's right that that he does that. And then he also tries to be their buddies when they're at games together, and that's the other thing that's, you know, the two-faced thing that I'm just not a huge fan of either. But um, unfortunately, we see this all the time in sports. Different players are held to different standards, um, whether it's fair or not, it's just kind of the way that the league has always worked. Um, when you look at a player of Kevin Durant's caliber, they're not going to trade him and cut him if it means because c- of his quality. That's what it is. I mean, he's he's an MVP caliber guy when he's playing, and he's a guy that could bring Brooklyn a championship. Myers Leonard isn't that guy, um, and so I mean, if if Myers Leonard did that same thing, probably would have happened. That happened with his anti-Semitic language so I don't think it's fair the way that it goes but I mean it's just kind of the way that the league has always worked and I don't know how how they could rectify it
0: Yeah and I you know oddly enough I had a weird conversation with my kids today and I basically got to the point that you know fair is not a, a real thing. But, um, you know, that's a conversation for a different day. So, Jurg, uh, kind of want to pose the same question to you. I mentioned Myers Leonard. I know that you're familiar with that situation. Uh, I want to kind of prelude this by saying kind of or touch on what Kenneth just put out. Like Michael Rappaport is a dude that is uh, I remember him from the TV show Boston Public that used to be on Fox television while back ago, that's the last thing I remember seeing him in actor wise. So I think that they're using the term actor loosely here. Um, but this is a guy that kind of rides the coattails of other celebrities in order to maintain an image of sorts here. Uh, we don't know if he's really a Nick fan, a net fan, a Celtics fan, like what other new <laughs> new uh, New England team is up there. Um, what do you kind of think of the the exchange between the two and how both of the gentlemen handled it?
1: Uh, I agree with Kenneth. I don't think it should. he should have shown the the conversation. I think a private conversation, you know, we always talk about it with sports in general. It's always talked about being like a, a. every time we talk about the NBA compared to college, it's a man's league. Uh, Hollywood, it's a man's thing. Like, so if you're in this quote unquote man's thing that you always talk about, like handle this like men, handle this internally like real men would. If we have a problem, we're going to handle it one on one, mano v mano. And at the end of the day, that's how it should be. I don't think, you know, I know it gets very tricky. Obviously I don't think there's going to be anything with libel or slander or whatever would technically be the term that's more proper here, but it's like with these two being public figures, I kind of understand why it's a little bit different, but at the same time, it's just not the right thing to do there. Uh, And and like you guys said, with, with KD and that convo with him at the end of the day, like you got to understand who you're talking to. Like you got to know certain situations, like who, the words you're saying to this person, how likely is it to come back and bite you? You know, kind of to the point that you allude to, Stephen, with Myers Leonard. Like, it's all about situational awareness, and I think a lot of these guys, even being a decade over a decade in, like KD was, Myers Leonard, I forget what year he was drafted, but I think he's been in the league at least seven, eight, nine years at this point. Like, Mm -hmm. it's the situational awareness that these guys are just not taught at a young age that even as they grow older, like, they may understand in certain points, but, like, they, they think that in just streaming a game or in a conversation with someone that they know personally because obviously whatever their relationship is whether they're actually friends or not or enemies like they know each other so whatever you may think the the status is of whatever you're doing you need to understand that at any point what you said it could be documented it could be recorded and you just need to be better situationally i think a lot of professional athletes are not properly equipped to that from the point when they bring it to legal, like I think the NFL, I'm sure the other leagues do, but I think the NFL is the only league that kind of has this r- uh, rookie minicamp to where it's like, we remember, I, you remember this, Stephen, like the clips of her med it's like talking to rookies. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, be smart phone. It gets everything, you know, don't, don't do anything stupid. Don't say anything stupid, like things like that. Like these leagues just don't do that for these guys.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting too, because I mean, I'm a Kevin Durant, you know, fan, you know, if I'm putting aside, being a real analyst and making, you know, informed and unbiased opinions. Uh, I'll criticize Kevin Durant like I'm going to now, but I just want to let, I, I'm a Kevin Durant fan. So I, I feel like it's okay for me to say he's not really the most uh, socially aware when it comes to socially immediate, uh, social media. He's kind of developed a reputation of not necessarily handling himself the best when it comes to his social media accounts and things like that. So, I mean, when he got to the point to where he was making comments like, oh, you lawyered up and then he still kept going like, "Okay, dude, like you're kind of asking for it at this point. So um, I just kind of want to touch on a little bit real quick about what you guys said. Like, I agree with you that Rappaport shouldn't have made those comments public. But at the end of the day, Kevin Durant's responsible for Kevin Durant's commentary. And I'm sure that you guys agree with that as well. You know, if Kevin Durant doesn't want people to think the worst of him and think that he does have some sort of, uh, you know, Anti, you know, homosexual view, worldview or whatever like that. That's up to him. It's not up to the guy that he's insulting to kind of keep his character intact for him. You know, that's kind of where I lie on that. I don't know if you guys want to touch on that real quick before we move on.
1: I, know, I think you're right in, in terms of the words he's using. I think conversationally, I think if we just like broad brush of a conversation, like if we have a, if Steven, if you and me, if we have a bad convo between us, like one day, if one of us was in a bad mood, like we're going to keep it internal, like we're not mm-hmm. going to release it. But if, if neither of us use like, you know, terrible language, then it's a non-issue. I think, like you said, at KD exactly like he, like th- there's just no need to use these words anymore.
2: It's if just... Kevin Durant handled himself like a professional, then they wouldn't have been posted yeah that's ultimately what it boils down to is he he should have known better in what he was saying I still don't agree with it going public but yeah you're an adult you you have to realize that any of us working a job if, if things like that came out and it got back to our boss there would be consequences for that and I think sometimes athletes forget that they aren't above that sort of criticism that everyday people would have to go through themselves
0: Yeah, and making comments that are detrimental to you, your team, and ultimately the league that puts money in your pocket, probably not a good look. All right, and speaking of something that may or may not be a good look, Kenneth, I'm really interested to get your comment on here, and I promise we're not going to grill you because I know that JJ Redick is one of your favorites, right? You've actually had him on your show. I know that he has meant a great deal to you as an NBA fan, but that's kind of the reason why I want to ask you this question because... To me, this is a side of J.J. Reddick that I've never really seen before. And I also want to say, Kenneth, that I love the fact that he is an active NBA player and he podcasts. I mean, how many times do we say, oh, I wish we could know what's going on inside of LeBron James's head? Or, oh, I wish we could know what's going on inside of Kyrie Irving's head if we're ready for that. You know, if, if the world is ready for knowing exactly what Kyrie Irving's thinking. Right. So J.J. Reddick made some comments on his show. And uh, was pretty candid about the whole departure that he had from the New Orleans Pelicans when it came to the trade deadline. He was dealt to the Dallas Mavericks, who is a a couple thousand miles, you know, away from the location that he wanted to go. There was, you know, he has family that's in the Brooklyn area. He also would have liked to play for maybe, you know, the, the Celtics or the Sixers again, maybe even the Knicks, who knows. But ultimately, the Pelicans dealt him to Dallas now. JJ said on his show, Kenneth that very basically gave him his word, right that um, that he would deal him to a location that suited him best. Ultimately, Dallas wasn't where he wanted to go, but now he's kind of saying, okay, like apparently he's talked to Mark Cuban and said, hey, look, I know I made these comments. I'm willing and ready to play for you guys. I'm really just ready to move past this. So Kenneth as a, as a fellow podcaster as a reddit guy, How did you kind of digest his comments that he made public?
2: So I got the alert on my phone um, about it, and then I went and watched the full clip. I don't like to read like the the single headline. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the full clip is like 18 minutes long. And so um, JJ kind of explained the entire side of the story. He even told Mark Cuban, he's like, any other year I would be incredibly excited to be coming to Dallas. Like, It's one of the best places in the NBA to play. Just I've seen my family like twice in the last six months. I've got two young kids. And so for me, situationally, it's not somewhere that I really wanted to go. I think his main concern is that he had an understanding with David Griffin. Also, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I always say... I don't know why,
0: but I always think Danny Ferry when I think David Griffin, and I don't know why. It's just a mental thing that I have. But yes, David Griffin. I I know, right?
2: But (laughs) I mean, he he had an understanding with David Griffin as well as Trajan Langdon. I mean, those guys are both Duke guys as well. So I think he felt, whether it was naive in thinking it or not, because the NBA is a business, but I think he felt like he would get the honesty from a guy that he's known for a long time. And the understanding was you'll buy me out so that way I can be closer to my kids because J.J. really doesn't have anything else to prove in his career. He's made millions of dollars. He's lasted way longer than anyone ever thought J.J. Redick was going to last in the NBA. Most people were writing him off when he was in Orlando. I mean, he had the whole DUI situation. He struggled his first couple of years in the league. I mean, it's well-documented stuff, what he was going through, and then for him to even have the career that he's had is is pretty outstanding. But, um, I mean, I think he's just frustrated overall that that they couldn't be honest with him. I mean, he signed there. He he was basically their veteran guy, and it was him and a bunch of young bucks. And um, when he didn't get that honesty, I mean, also Tommy Alter was the one who asked him the question as co-host. And it, w- it was a very direct question that he asked him, and I think that's why JJ answered it pretty candidly. I don't think there was any malicious intent behind it. I think it was just him being honest of saying, you know, I just think that, You know, if anyone's looking to go to New Orleans, then your agents, you know, they may not be completely transparent with you. And so I think it's more so a warning uh, to any potential free agents that may decide to go there. I didn't have any major issue with it. I mean, as you said, he's never really been that outspoken. Um, His podcast, for the most part, he has the other people um, kind of have those hot takes. And he's always been a professional in the league. So Um, I didn't take major issue with it. I don't blame him for wanting to be closer to his kids when he's in year 15 of his career or 14. Like he just, he wanted to be close to home and people would say, well, of course, he just wants to go to Brooklyn like everyone else. (laughs) Well, I mean, mean, who doesn't? I mean, he doesn't want to go to Brooklyn. And also if you can see your family along the way, it's kind of a win-win situation. And when you have an uh, understanding that you're going to be bought out then, and then that happens, I'd be pretty pissed off too. Yeah, and see, I hear
0: all of that, Kenneth, and drug I want to pose this to you now. Uh, he signed a, probably for the most money that he, I think, you know, personally, would have got in compared to any other team that was willing to acquire J.J. Redick, and that's kind of been like when, when the Sixers signed him to the contract that they did, I was really surprised that he was able to command that much amount of money, no knock against J.J. in his skill set, but... When I looked at the amount of money they signed for, I was like, dang, they're paying him like he's going to be part of a big three or something, you know, like and just to me at that point in JJ's career, he's just he's just not that guy He's very, very valuable, can contribute to a winning team and has winning skill set. But it just seemed to me that New Orleans was kind of that same way that he was going to get he was going to get he got the bag, you know, and that's the strategy in the NBA today. You know, you get the bag first and then you worry about everything else second. And whenever he didn't get to go to one of those northeastern teams, uh, he he made the comment. And Kenneth, I, I also want to ask you this when Jerg is done. But Jerg, do you think that there's any sort of repercussions that NBA owners would look at a situation like this and say, "Hey, look, JJ is making comments that maybe not everybody is thinking, but because they're out there now, maybe now people are starting to think about it." to where maybe we are hampered about in our ability to bring in free agents. What do you think, Jerk?
1: Well, I, I think it would be a very tough sell for the owners to try to do that because at the end of the day, he didn't do this during an interview. He did not do this during a contractually like, because the NBA has contracts with like mm-hmm. networks and stuff like that. And so he didn't do it on any of that. He did it on his own platform. If you're going to get to the point, I know we just finished talking about Kevin Durant and his comments on social, but it's a very different thing between the private conversation being linked with you using terms and talking in such an aggressive manner to him on his own platform that he created his own podcast. Like I I, that, I don't, I don't even think the NBA players association would stand for that. Cause I think at that point it creates a whole other issue that I don't think the league would want to go to, especially cause I know like he, he hasn't said anything necessarily like bad or to this level, but mm-hmm. like LeBron with all the stuff he has, like, I'm sure obviously I know JJ Wright, LeBron, two different star statuses, <laughs> right. but I, 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 if they could find JJ Redick, if they find Kevin Durant, LeBron's like, um, I'm not going to let this happen because if I accidentally slip up, you are not doing anything to me. So <laughs> I don't think it can get to that point where you can find guys for comments that they made. And I think at the end of the day, like I think just the issue is that if this wasn't an official statement that like the, the thing with the leagues is that when a statement gets out there and they don't get to vet it, they don't try to get to control it. It gets them angry. You look at, uh, I think a year ago or maybe two years ago now in the NFL, When the Players Association released the report of issues that were going on down in the Jacksonville Jaguars organization and the fact that that whole thing was left unchecked, that the Jaguars were not doing right by their players, forcing them to have to go to uh, optional workouts, keyword optional Mm -hmm. workouts. like There's just certain points to where it's like you can't get in these players' business because now it's like you're changing the personal side of this thing. And there, there needs to be that balance between it. I don't think JJ necessarily crossed the line because I think at the end of the day, I, I know we understand this, but your word is your bond. And mm-hmm. for a guy like JJ Redick or for what happened between the Pelicans, JJ, like, can we really say like, I know he's gone vocal with it, but it's like, are we really surprised from to hear this about the organization that had a franchise superstar, big man, and couldn't convince anybody to get there for even a year for seven to eight years and then had to trade him. Well, that
0: was prior, just to be fair, that was prior to David Griffin being, you know, president of basketball operations. Right. But I think the thing is,
1: is that like and maybe in the context, maybe, of course, he was talking because David Griffin is was the GM as he's there. But I think it also stems to the organization. And when you look at that organization, it's been Mm -hmm. the same ownership since Anthony Davis has been there, like things build up like uh, a culture builds over time and when i hear something about that like with jj dealing with david griffin i can only imagine that i was probably similar situations to what happened with general managers beforehand because of the organization as a whole so I, I i don't think it would be fair i think it would dive into a completely different issue if they tried to discipline him on that so i just don't see discipline happening and like to your guy's point like he mentions it like from the bubble to the short off season, to then having to go on the road again and everything dealing with the pandemic. Like, here's the thing, this is a pandemic. So it's mm-hmm. like, I can't blame a guy for wanting to be near his family. Cause I think if there's anything that the pandemic has te- taught all of us, it's like, you need to be close to your loved ones as much as you can. Cause you do not know what could happen the next day. So I, I can't blame the guy.
0: Yeah. And that's all fair. So Kenneth, I want to pose this to you before we move on to the next segment. Do you see any issue? And again, I know that JJ is your guy. Do you see any issue With him putting something out there saying that, you know, maybe agents are going to look a little bit harder at the New Orleans Pelicans offers compared to any other team in the NBA.
2: I I don't I don't take major issue with it. I'm sure I'll sound like a J.J. Homer for that. No, but, you're fine, but but I mean overall, I mean if if you're warning other players not to go to New Orleans, I mean I think he, you have every right to do that. Whether he made it public or not, he put it out on his own platform. He clearly chose to post it. I mean, he very easily could have recorded his interview and then decided you know what maybe we should cut that part out but he was clearly passionate about it and if the NBA has done one thing it's they've empowered their players to speak their voice and Mm -hmm. I mean ultimately if they didn't want to run into this situation then maybe they could have treated the guy with a little bit more respect a veteran guy that went there tried to instill his winning culture because he has a winning culture he had not missed the playoffs until he went to New Orleans and he told Zion Williamson don't fuck it up for me. He said that at the <laughs> press conference. Like oh, that's his exact quote. And I mean they missed the playoffs last year. He's probably a little bit frustrated this year that they're not in the position that I think they thought they were going to be. And so I don't blame the guy at all. I think uh overall the NBA, they if you're in New Orleans, you should be looking in the mirror as to as to why this went public because you could have given the guy the the common courtesy of even giving him a heads up. He didn't even get a heads up. He said that he had to have his wife's phone blow up and it was in the news. They didn't even let him know. So Mm. that's just another example of how they mistreated him in this situation.
0: Yeah. And that's all fair and good. And just, and just to be upfront, you don't sound like a a, a JJ Homer at all. So, all to right, be so, fair, I
2: tried to DM him to figure out what, what his thoughts were with uh, with the whole Dallas movie. hasn't got back to me yet, so uh, I'll keep you guys posted on that. All
0: right, yeah. When you when you when you do, let us know. We'll have you on. So speaking of not sounding like a Homer, your guy, your new guy, Andre Drummond for your beloved Los Angeles Lakers, uh, sustained a toe injury, and I've heard various and read various reports that it's a bruised right big toe that the toenail came off. I mean, do you have any sort of? Uh, you know, ear to the ground information regarding Andre Drummond's toe that, that we might be privy to?
2: Um, I, I all that I had heard was that they thought that it was going to be a couple games. Um, I think overall a bruised toe is something that you can get over pretty quickly. If it's the toenail, might take a little bit more time to figure it out. I'm not too worried about him um right now. I would like to see him get in better game shape because he obviously took some time off in Cleveland and that was not voluntarily. Yeah, I was about to say that's um, not
0: on his own behalf. I mean, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like Cleveland got their center of the future and they say, hey man, we're gonna try to work on a deal for you. Fast forward to, you know, a month and a half later, they finally get something done.
2: Yeah. And overall, I I don't think it's necessarily a terrible thing for the Lakers if Drummond misses a couple games. I think giving guys like Montrez Harrell a bit more time to get familiarized with his new situation there. Um, Dennis Schroeder playing well. They just got Marc Gasol back as well. He was hurt for a little bit there. Um, I think Lakers fans are really panicking because of the AD and LeBron health concerns. Um, as long as they're back with, let's say, five games to go before the, the pl- postseason, they should be fine. Um, I think if you're uh, if you're a common sense Lakers fan, you should know Us losing to the Clippers today is just an example of a team being undermanned taking on a team that they got up for that game. Mm That they they want to beat the Lakers. They are the defending champions after all. And uh, if they can just stay 500 over the next little bit here, I think they're like four and six over their last ten. If they can just stay around that mark, they should comfortably be in the middle of the Western playoff race, and then. Then you have to beat LeBron and AD in a in a seven game series if they're both healthy. So,
0: yeah, I agree with that, and good luck with that. I, I I'm of the mindset that the furthest they fall because of where kind of four through six lies in the Western Conference right now. I think worst case scenario they fall to six, and right now, if if memory serves me correctly, that would line them up against the Clippers in the opening round of the playoffs. That would <laughs> what be an kind opening
2: of round series! Everyone would be tuning into that um i mean i think i think the clippers are going to surpass the suns although they are playing really well right now as long as they can avoid them in the first round um because if lebron and ad are coming back with even just a couple games to play you can't be rusty at all heading into that series you can't you can't have a game or two to get your legs under you you got to be ready to go from the tip and i think that's what they're gonna hopefully be doing
0: yeah, because the Clippers just added a guy by the name of Playoff Rondo, so that's uh, they know all too well of how how potent he could be when you know the lights are the brightest and the hottest. So, Jerg, interested to get your take. You know, Andre Drummond comes in; he's promised to be the guy that's going to come in right and kind of buoy the Lakers and in the stead of you know AD and LeBron James. And then, opening quarter of his debut game, he hurts his toe and is only rumored to miss a couple of games. Um, how did you feel about that? Is this just bad luck? Like, does this, are, are the Lakers like drawing a curse now? Kind of what the Portland Trailblazers kind of yeah. deal with year in and year out? Or I, or obviously i I think that you agree with me. Like people are overblowing this a little bit. Like if you just pay attention to some, certain people, um, I don't think it's that big of a deal. And it's just interesting though, how the Lakers have had a number of injuries to deal with so far this season.
1: Yeah, it's just complete irony. And it's like, uh, to your point, Stephen, it's going to be overblown because of the fact that, you know, it's... You know, just All Star break just finished up. Things aren't going to get interesting again until the last five to eight games of the season, where it's like seating is going to get finalized. So we're kind of in a gray area right now. In hockey, we're experiencing the same thing, to so where it's like you're just waiting to get ever so closer to the playoffs, and you need there. These networks are going to take these little topics and make them into big talking points. So, like I find it, you know, it, it's ironic, isn't it? It's apropos that Drummond goes down for lower, you know, essentially a lower leg injury. Yeah, yeah, I know it's his toe, but it's like him with the toe, Braun with the ankle, the lowest APs,
0: of lower leg, leg injuries. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, like, I, as someone who has suffered a uh, leg-related health issues the last like month and a half of their life, I I am very sympathetic to what the Lakers are <laughs> dealing with right now. It sucks when you have an <laughs> issue down there. I'm just t- it sucks, but I I mean, like y- you guys mentioned, it. it's like he was sat however many games in Cleveland, so it's mm. like. You you talk about the Rust that LeBron AD, like I know Drummond was uh, practicing and staying in shape, but I always say it is a vastly different thing from yeah. just practicing to get in game shape and then finally playing the game. Like it just it's a different type of synergy that you have and your body needs to act accordingly. I remember in Ben Simmons' rookie season uh when he broke his foot just before the season started. like part of the reason was cuz i think he gained like 10 to 15 pounds in that offseason like that is such a drastic weight gain that yeah. ha- that happens like your body needs to adjust to that and that's what happens to him Joel Embiid early like if you're talking about curses like the Philadelphia 76ers first round draft picks is a real curse this this is just, you know, circumstances and situations. And you know what we say, Steven, situations are situational. So that's all it is with the Lakers. Like, they're going to be fine. They're going to get him back. Braun and AD, I think, to Kenneth's point, like, they're going to come back the last five to eight games in the regular season, get their legs back under them, get back to 100%. And, like, 4th seed, 5th seed, 6th seed, it don't matter. Le, you're telling me LeBron and AD are standing on the other side of the court against you? I, I like their odds over dang near every other team in the West.
0: Yeah. And and the counterpoint to this all is like, oh, so all of a sudden the number one and two seed Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns, like they don't matter in the Western Conference anymore. And it's just so funny how, you know, rhetoric and dialogue and NBA circles work is like, well, you can't say something nice about one team and it cannot considered to be slander towards another team. Like, obviously, Phoenix and Utah are having tremendous seasons and it looks sustainable even in the playoffs but again, when you have LeBron James, that kind of like that sustainment in of itself. When whether he wins or he loses, you're probably going to get to the finals if he has a full season. And you I mean, had look at
2: LeBron in the East when when Toronto was the one seed. Everyone was like, I mean, especially up here. Oh man, this is the year. It's like it's not like <laughs> if you're an objective NBA fan, you really think Demar Derozan is going to be the guy that takes down LeBron James, like
0: you Horford and the in yeah, the like, like
2: like every year it was just like a different one seed, and and so people will see the Lakers at four, possibly five or six come playoff time, and they'll be like, Oh, this is the year, and it's like until LeBron loses in a seven game series in a conference <laughs> game, like in a conference series, then you know, I, I'm gonna feel pretty confident with LA moving forward.
1: I'd be terrified if I was the first seed in like my second round <laughs> matchup is LeBron. Like at least give me the conference finals, man. Like you don't even have round?
0: true home court advantage yet. Like, no. you, that, may, you may have point, a couple Steven. thousand fans, but yeah.
1: Yeah. to your point, like uh, all due respect to so Utah and Phoenix, especially me, like uh Steven, my first appearance on your guys show with you in Austin, it was in the preseason. I said Phoenix would be a top four seed. So all the respect in the world to them in Utah as well. But it's like, home court advantage this year is just not the same thing like if it was going to be a packed crowd maybe but a couple thousand fans it's not going to make a difference between like LeBron is going to drop 30 on you whether you got a full house <laughs> or a half house
2: like listen LeBron's crazy. gone into other people's buildings and sent them packing in a game seven like it's yep. just the, it's the way that his career has gone
0: yeah and it, do, it doesn't hurt that he's got a wet if all things are clicking right Anthony Davis is a top five NBA player right now. So it doesn't hurt to have that junior corner. And then Andre Drummond. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how those guys line up. I was hoping you guys will get Hassan Whiteside, but I digress. So um, I'm glad yeah.
2: we didn't get Hassan Whiteside. So we'll, we'll disagree on that. One.
0: Well, that's fine. And <laughs> we could talk about that offline, but um, we're kind of up against it guys. Uh, we did have one more topic that I wanted to at least throw out into the ether before we close. Um, and this is, is in the college ranks here. Uh, legendary coach Roy Williams retires from UNC. He retired on April Fool's Day and he meant it. Um, he went 18 and 11 this season after going 14 and 19 the year prior. That's his career worst as far as coaching record goes. Uh, he started his career in the, in the 88 89 season, going 118 and 101 in 15 seasons for Kansas before he then went into the transfer portal and went to North Carolina during the 03 04 season. There he coached for 18 season with a record of 485 wins, 263 losses. He is the third most winningest coach in NCAA history with 903 career wins. He's only behind uh, Jim Boeheim who has 1,083 wins and then coach K with, um, 1,170 wins. Uh, Kenneth, I know that you're, you're a Duke guy, right? So, um, I know that you're probably it's kind of bittersweet seeing a a guy like Roy Williams retire for all fans. But um, Kenneth, just what are kind of your um, your thoughts about seeing him call it a career?
2: So April Fool's Day was kind of cruel to me as well, because I got a I got one of I got trolled on the Twitter timeline of Coach K is retiring. And I saw a couple people post it and I kind of freaked out a little bit. Luckily, I I found out that was April Fool's. And uh, so some people got me on that day. But um, I mean, I am a Duke fan, so obviously I rooted against Roy for a long time. But that being said, he's one of the classiest coaches I ever had the privilege of watching. Um, Even the dynamic that him and Kay had in those rivalry games, because those are always w- the most watched college games every year is Duke versus UNC. Unfortunately, this year, those games didn't go so well for, for my Blue Devils. But I mean, if Coach K wasn't an option uh, for my future child to play under, it would have been Roy Williams for me. And I think it's just, it's a testament to how great he was as a coach. I mean, I hate the whole, he didn't really win at Kansas argument. And then, uh, then he goes and then he wins multiple national titles at UNC and Uh, I, I know for a fact, the NCAA tournament's the hardest tournament to win in sports. It's not necessarily the best team that wins every year when it comes to March Madness. We've seen that 2015 Kentucky team. I'll say it. They were better than my Duke team in 2015, but they slipped up in one game and then suddenly you've got a different national champion. And so when a coach wins multiple, I think it's just a testament to how great he is as a coach. Um, the best coaches always win a ton of games and he was definitely one of those. He's going to be sorely missed from that rivalry. Um, as far as who's going to replace him, I've read Jerry Stackhouse, you know, you might see kind of the Juwan Howard effect of former player comes back to coaches as alma mater. Uh, we saw how well that worked. Shout out to Juwan Howard for winning national coach of the year. Patrick um, Ewing
0: and Georgetown had a heck Patrick of a year Ewing in
2: Georgetown. Uh, so I'll be interested to see who replaces him there. Um, but I'm going to miss that from the rivalry. I don't know if it's going to be the same next year without him on the sidelines there. I'm sure it'll be a fiery affair, but uh, the interactions between Kay and Roy was always great.
0: Absolutely. So Jared, real quick, uh, kind of, your same kind of, same thing to you. What are your thoughts about Roy Williams retiring?
1: I, you know, like kind of said, one of the classiest coaches, I think like in, in college coaching in general, where you talk about there are a vast majority of these guys kind of undertake this person personality where it's like they are they're all encompassing they control everything Roy Williams just never gave that off he was one of the classiest most fun coaches we saw that clip like well from like two three years ago at this point him like you know jiving into the locker room having (laughs) fun with his guys like he's just a good personality like he's the kind of coach you would have wanted to play for because he was going to get the best out of you and at the same time make you smile and laugh in practice here and there and that's something that I personally wanted to always do with with my youth teams that I coach so at the end of the day like college basketball is losing one of its essentially ambassadors, you know, while he was coaching, he's like one of the like guys you would push as like, th- this is one of our premier coaches. And it's, it's sad for UNC, you know, you feel for them. They've had good coaches, you know, over the last 50 years or so. So I'm sure they'll manage, but you know, it, it's a different vibe when a legend leaves. And so they're, they're going to feel that they're going to miss his presence for a good year or two, but they'll get back on track.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, there's, there's not going to be a shortage of people wanting that job. Right. So, um, Kenneth, man, uh, absolute pleasure having you on. We got to do this again. Next time is not going to be soon enough. But um, before we let you out of here, man, just want to let you give an opportunity to let people know where they can find you and your work.
2: Definitely. You can find me on all sh- social platforms at shooters underscore pod um, live show starting here in in six minutes time. Um, incredibly about- excited. We've got our uh, top five movie character basketball starting five. And so, it's going to be an exciting one. It can only be from basketball movies and no no NBA players, so it's going to be a fun draft as well as talking about some of the stuff we did talk about here tonight. Steven, you're, thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. You guys are great ambassadors for podcasting and sports talk in general, and it was a real pleasure sitting down with you guys tonight.
0: You're too kind, man. And Jurg, uh, just as always love, love when you can substitute in, I mean, I love my guy, Austin, but if I got to pick another guy to jump on, man, you're, you're number one.
1: Hey, I always appreciate you guys. Trust me whenever you need someone to help you out. And that, that is something I'll say it every single time. Cause I really do appreciate it. Uh, in terms of where the people can find me, it's at jerk K 40 on Instagram and Twitter, uh, to see all the various things of sports that I post about, uh, my NHL power rankings will be coming out tomorrow, which I'm highly, Those are excited. always fun. Yeah. The, uh, so they come out tomorrow and, beginning tomorrow the debut episode yeah show to off the ball network Bunsen Bruises hosted by myself and our guy James Barcia our baseball guy you can follow him at bars talks on Twitter he he uh you know we're really excited Bunsen bruises in reference to us being baseball and hockey fans and we, you know we're gonna promote both those sports on the show and talk but also we're gonna cover basketball and football there when it go. comes so you know we're, we're gonna you know a little variety is the spice of life guys yes, so, sir. You know, we're, we're gonna get everything in there
0: that's awesome stuff, man. I can't wait to hear that because you two are some of the brightest minds that off the ball network has shout out to off the ball network, go to off the for all of your sports needs. You got great written work there and also outstanding podcasts. And I'll also, before we close, I want to remind everybody go to manscape.com. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code BTG. That's easy to remember because that stands for breaking the game. The name of the show that you're listening to here on the nothing but net channel on dash radio At manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BTG. Unlock your confidence. And as always, use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, fellas, I just want to thank you all. And for all the listeners and viewers that we've had, you guys are all much appreciated too. You're the reason we do what we do. So on behalf of our guests. Kenneth Calderwell here, uh, my awesome co-host today, Jurgen Coney, for the Off the Ball Network, for Manscaped, and all of our great sponsors. For the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, we've been the break in the game show. We will catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody.